coming up on today's episode. In nine times out of 10 cases, Josh, they have the wrong clients. They started their business, as most do, taking on anybody and everybody that was willing to pay them, right? Because we're in startup. We got to make money. Get that cash flow coming. Hey, it's Josh Carey, the hidden entrepreneur. Why is that? Well, I spent 40 years hiding. That's right, showing up in every situation, hiding my true talent, my true ability in exchange for seeking the approval of others. No more of that. I'm now on a mission to help those do exactly what you've always known is possible. This is how it's done. I am sitting here with my brilliant friend, (laughs) Alicia Maples, who is the founder of a 14-year-old consultancy firm called Brilliant SMB. So good to see you, Alicia. Thanks for joining. Josh, thank you for having me. It's so exciting to be here with you. Tell me why the name of your 14-year consultancy (laughs) firm, which, by the way, I keep emphasizing it because I rarely hear anybody close to being in the consulting or coaching industry for that long. We'll get into that, Mm -hmm. uh, how you've sustained it. But tell me why the word brilliant, which I'm a fan of, by the way, why brilliant SMB? What What does that suggest? I'm laughing because it came from a few different places. One, my love of BBC television and the fact that in the UK, they use the word brilliant all the time. Somebody has an idea and they're like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant, brilliant. And I'm like, I really like that. Also, the fact that it speaks to light, shining light on things that need to come out of the darkness, so to speak. And that's a lot of what consulting is about is holding up a mirror to people so they can see things that maybe they've been avoiding. Um, And the SMB is just a description of who I work with, small to medium-sized businesses. So, And to say that Brilliant SMB was available, .com was available. (laughs) In 2007, I'm guessing a lot of domains were available. (laughs) Yes, that's true. And I like that you brought up the idea of holding up a mirror But I first want to talk about the idea that you label this a consultancy firm. What, in fact, is the difference between a consultancy firm and a coaching firm? Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) And for anybody listening, we did not do any kind of pre-show notes or anything like this. So this is actually one of my big soapboxes. So the idea behind coaching is if you talk to somebody, especially somebody who's been certified through the IFC as a coach, is that everybody already has all the answers they need. The job of the coach is to ask good questions to draw those answers out. I don't buy into that. I don't think particularly from a business standpoint, we have all the answers that we need. I think we have some of them, but not all. So consulting is advising, it's observing, it's watching, it is asking questions. And while I will have help people have glorious aha moments, I'm also going to tell them what I see. 
and I'm going to give them my best advice about what I think that they should do. So that is the difference between consulting and coaching. For me, it's a hybrid approach of asking really good questions to dig in and help people get to answers. And then it's saying, hey, look, this is what I think you should avoid, especially, and here's what I think you need to do. So that's how I define the difference between coaching and consulting. I say very definitively, I am not a coach because of the traditional definition of what a coach is. I'm a consultant. Tell us what you do through Brilliant SMB. Who do you help? How do you help them? My best clients are established entrepreneurs. I do work with some newbies, but really established entrepreneurs who are finding themselves stuck. So we all start our businesses with this idea of we want more freedom, more flexibility. We want financial freedom. And we make some bad decisions along the way. At least some of my clients that I take on do, and they end up getting to a place where they're completely burned out. They don't have any of the freedom or the flexibility that caused them to start the business in the first place. When they do have free time, they're not really present. They're just thinking about everything they need to get done in their business. And so I help them get unstuck and I love it, helping them set free. It's all under the umbrella, Josh, of helping people maximize their profit, getting the best return on investment for what I consider to be what is most important, which is their time and their energy. And then, of course, also their money. You stress established entrepreneurs. Why is that so important? Well, for me, it's important. I'd say that's my sweet spot, working with people who have already started. Um, Now, I do have some clients that I've worked with who are in startup phase. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in startup phase. But I have a gift for helping people who are already in their business And they're just, there's too much month at the end of their money and not enough energy left. So we dig into that to find out what is causing that. And it's typically one thing. What is it? Lead me me to the ocean. Yeah. What that is in nine times out of 10 cases, Josh, they have the wrong clients. They started their business, as most do, taking on anybody and everybody that was willing to pay them, right? Because we're in startup. We got to make money, get that cash flow coming. There isn't a qualification system. They haven't identified who their ideal client is. They're working with anybody. That's how I started, by the way. And part of what prompted me and moved me into doing this work is I made so many mistakes. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a consultant. Now take that back. I hired several and they were really bad, but I didn't have anybody that helped me well. And I had this moment of crisis in my business that was the best thing that ever could have happened for me because it completely transformed how I approached my business. And so this is what I teach my clients is all right, you've done this. You've taken on anybody and everybody as a client. Now you're stuck. Now you don't have time. Now you've got clients who you have to chase down for payment. You've got clients who don't respect your boundaries. You have clients who um, are constantly asking for more and more. They're very demanding and you're tired of working with them. We need to move them out of your client base so that you can go deeper, stronger, 
with your A-list clients. You can build your wealth this way because you're offering more of your time, more services, more products to the clients you have that appreciate it the most. It sounds like that we've all been in that boat, right? Where we wake up and where we know whether we admit it or not, a right client from a wrong client. But like you said, too often it comes down to, oh, I need the money. I just got to get get through it. So do you find that the work you do, can it come from both places? Do you come in and you evaluate who the current clients are that are non-serving and help them fire them? And help the entrepreneur identify the clients that they shouldn't be taking on in the first place. Yes, a hundred percent. Absolutely. So we do both. I walk clients through, it, it's a client segmentation process where we look at, all right, who are the A clients, the A-listers, the ones that, that appreciate you, respect you, pay you for Pete's sake, um, but where you also have the opportunity to sell additional products and services to. Those are your A-level clients. Then we look at the C-level clients, I call them the challenge clients, and identify their behaviors and look at these are the ones that we need to let go. And we have a process by which we let the C clients go. We start going deeper with the A clients. And so we replace the revenue that is being lost by firing the C-level clients. Although you would be surprised, I've got to tell you, when I'm working with somebody who is resistant, and a lot of people are resistant to firing clients, they're going, but Alicia, it's a paycheck. I need the money. What am I supposed to do? When you start putting the hard numbers to it, like this true story. So I was working with somebody about a month ago, I would say, and he had this client that was driving him crazy, um, constantly asking for things, but would not move forward to terminate the relationship with this client. I'm like, all right, let's do this real quick. Go through your inbox. Let's see how much this guy has paid you for the last eight months. He was shocked. $500. $500. This is the thing about the C-level challenge clients. We have this idea in our minds that, oh, we're making all this money from them. But when you really put the numbers to it, you find out that you're not. So that was enough to help my client make the decision. All I've gotten is $500 in eight months. Okay, now it's a no-brainer. I can easily replace that income and let this guy go. Is there also a conversation and a level of charging what you're worth slash increasing your prices? Is that part of this conversation as well? It has to be. Yes, it has to be. It's charging for the value of what it is that you are providing. We look at all different kinds of factors to make up, to make those determinations. We look at what competitors are doing. We look at the value of a person's time. And then in addition to that, Josh, we look at, all right, so what other opportunities do you have to serve this client? What other things can you bring to them now that you're freed up from all the noise of this other client that was taking up all your time and space? So we look at additional streams of revenue. We look at what to charge 100%. The the top two things that my clients will tell you that happen when they work with me is number one, they fire their clients. And number two, they raise their prices. Hmm. 
I mentioned a few times that this is a 14 year old <laughs> consultancy firm. How, how do you have that longevity in this industry? One, I guess would be a uh, sheer determination Two would be God's grace. And uh, maybe that should be reversed. And then number three, I'll tell you what the pivotal moment was for me. And this story might be helpful to your listeners. One of my dreams was I wanted to be featured in, in major media. And I just knew that was going to help cement some credibility for me. So I, it happened. I had this opportunity. I, I lived in San Antonio at the time. And so I got a call from the San Antonio Business Journal, who had all of my target market reading it. And they wanted to interview me. It was amazing. Oh, my goodness. I was in my business at this point, I'd say about a year and a half, maybe two years. And they wanted to do a feature. And so the interview was amazing, Josh. It was so good. I was on a high. I couldn't believe it. We ended it. And he said, the, the journalist said, okay, Lisa, this was fantastic. We're going to get your photo shoot scheduled. All I need now are testimonials from three clients who can tell me about the radical, you know where this is going, about the radical transformations they've had in their business because of working with you. I said, no problem. I'll get that to you. And no lie, I hung up the phone and I started sobbing. Why? Because I didn't have three clients who could share amazing testimonials because I had taken on anybody and everybody as a client, Josh. I was not picky. I was not selective. The consulting process, as your listeners know, it's a journey. It's not like we meet twice and then everything changes. So I had some cash flow, but I had clients that kind of came in and were like, oh, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. And then left. So fortunately, I had three friends that I was coaching for free and they gave testimonials because they were experiencing some radical shifts. So I was able to get this feature and it was fantastic. But this was the pivotal moment to which I was referring earlier, where I said, I mean, it was a shock to my system. And I said, I will never ever be in a position again where I'm being interviewed by media and I don't have at least 15 people who can talk about what it was like to work with me and the shifts that they had in their business as a result. So everything about how I spoke to prospects changed from that day. I remember there was a, may I share a story? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I remember there was a woman that I had been chasing. I really wanted her as a client and she was ghosting me, <laughs> completely ghosting me. So this had just happened. And two or three days later, I remember exactly where I was driving on the road and I got a call from her and, and she was kind of like, all right, Alicia, I know that you've been wanting to talk to me and I only have a few minutes. What is it that you want to tell me about what you do? And I said, well, I'm really glad that you called me, but to be honest with you, I'm not sure that I want to work with you. Excuse me? I said, yes, I only work with winners. I only work with people who are 100% committed to this process and are willing to do whatever it takes to make changes in themselves and in their business so that they can be successful. And I don't know if that's you. And she said, 
oh, well, my husband and I work very hard and we're willing to do whatever it takes, Alicia. And all you have to do is just tell us because I've seen you and I know that you've got some wisdom and, and we definitely want to work with you. And I'm sitting there in the car. And now, Josh, here's the thing is that people will teach this kind of process as a manipulative technique. That's not what I'm advocating here. What I'm sharing is I made a decision about my value and what it was that how I was going to work with people and I was not willing to compromise on it. And here's this woman who'd been avoiding me for three months, practically begging me to work with her. I was like, holy cow, what just happened? So then the article comes out in the business journal and I get a phone call from a woman who's just starting an insurance agency. And she says, I saw this article and I need a consultant and I really want to work with you. And I said, great, but I don't know if I want to work with you. I only work with winners. I only work with people who are hundred percent committed to the process, et cetera, et cetera. She said, well, what's the next step? What do I do? And I said, I'll email you an application. I didn't have an application, but I quickly made one up. I sent it to her and she answered the questions in a way that made me believe she'd be willing to do the work. And so I took her on as a client and we met, I stepped away to get a coffee. I came back. She's on the phone with her husband and she's saying, Alicia said, yes, Alicia is going to take me on as a client. Then the pinnacle happened. And this is why I'm so passionate about teaching this to Everybody I work with, and also to your listeners, I got a tweet. This is back when Twitter was the big thing and great for lead gen. And this person said, have you ever heard of such and such salon and spa? And I said, uh, no, I haven't. And I had just been on the radio earlier that morning. And he said, well, I'd love to talk to you about what you do and work with you. So I Googled the salon and spa and I was like, this can't be. And then I re-Googled it like that would make a difference. And it popped up again. And I don't know how much you are familiar with the NBA back in those days, but it was Bruce Bowen, four-time NBA world champion and Olympic gold medalist of the San Antonio Spurs reaching out to me. So just so you know, I don't have connections like that. Like I can't just pick up the phone and say, hey, Bruce or Tim or any of those people and say, let's get together for breakfast. He reached out to me. We met for breakfast, had a great conversation. And he looked at me and he said, all right, I've decided that I want to hire you. Now, Josh, being perfectly transparent, I didn't have a lot of money in the bank. I had an ex-husband, a husband that was uh, quite, what's the word? unkind about the amount of money that I was making at the time in in my venture. So when I said this, I did not have tens or hundreds of thousands in the bank, quite the opposite. So I'm sitting across from one of my sports idols and he's saying to me, Alicia, I want to work with you. And I looked at him and I said, that's great, but I don't know that I want to work with you. And he just sat back in his chair And his eyes kind of bugged out. And I said, (laughs) very squeakily, I only work with winners. I only work with people who are truly committed to this process. And I don't know if that's you. 
And it was like one of those moving moments where everything really just stood still. And in my head, I'm going, what alien just spoke through my body and told this man that you didn't want to work with him? And I'm kind of going, stupid, 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 stupid. But it was a test of my resolve, really. And Bruce leaned forward in his chair after what felt like a millennia and he said, you go girl. And he high-fived me and he said, now I want to work with you even more. And I said, great, I'm going to send you an application. (laughs) And he completed it and I had the great privilege of working with him. Uh, for several months. And he's just an extraordinary human being. I have nothing but love for that man. But that's what happened. And I think that that is a large reason why I have been in business for so long, is I understood the value of what I provide. I set a standard for who I'm willing to work with. Now, I've made some mistakes. I've chosen some some folks that I probably shouldn't have said yes to. I didn't recognize red flags. But the longer you do this, the better you get at recognizing the green flags and the red flags. And so I would say from a business standpoint, that's, that would be the number one contributor to my success. I want to talk about what seems evident here, which is a glaring amount of trust for your own process, in your own ability, in, let's say, the universe providing. As you spelled out, every step of those ways, you had to trust in yourself and trust in the process and trust in life. Was that a conscious day-to-day work thing you put in? Yes, it was. Building determination and resilience and having moxie is something that started at a very early age for me. There were many things that I had to overcome as a child, and that shaped who I am and how I work and who I work with. So it's, it is still to this day a very conscious, intentional process. You started selling at nine years old, and I know that sales is a whole other conversation and certainly applicable to everything you do and who you work with today. Tell us what went on at nine years old. So it's a, it's a little bit of a sad story, but it is it has shaped who I am, and it's uh, everything that I talk about in my TEDx presentation. So I had, I'm the oldest of three siblings, and I have one brother who has very profound autism. He was born in 1971 when there was absolutely nothing known about autism. Pediatricians couldn't tell my family what was going on or what was wrong with him, but it was clear something was very wrong. My parents were told institutionalize him. That was not an option for them. They were going to raise him the best that they could. Then I had another younger brother who was born with a terminal illness, uh, something that was congenital. And we were not uh, even middle class in terms of where we were socioeconomically. We were quite poor. It was evident to me that had we had more money, maybe there would have been more options for our family. My father worked four jobs. My mom worked off and on when she wasn't caring for my other two brothers. So money and the need for money was something very evident to me that could be life-changing for our family. So I 
literally, I watched Mr. Rogers Neighborhood and he showed how to make Christmas ornaments out of some kind of a hard bread dough. And I did that in the kitchen and I painted them and I went door. Nobody told me to do this. I told my family, this is what I'm doing. And I lived in Chicago at the time and I went door to door and I sold these Christmas ornaments and something just transformative happened in that moment, Josh. I was like, okay, I made something and I have money in my hand that had never happened to me before. And I loved that feeling. And I decided in that moment, I was going to keep doing that for the rest of my life. So when I turned 11, uh, I grew up as a missionary kid. We moved to South Texas. And my mother said to me, Alicia, my mom said to me at 11, Alicia, we need more money. What, What should we do? And I said, we should sell Avon. And she said, okay. So at 11, I staked out a four subdivision territory and determined that I was going to knock on every single door in those four subdivisions. It took me about a year to do it, but I did it. And mom had a hugely successful like 23-year Avon career. She was always in the top 10 in her region. And that's how that started. So I have been selling and entrepreneuring. Is that a word? Entrepreneuring? most of my life, even when I had a corporate career, I still had side hustles. Incredible. I'm looking through your your credits, and I know you mentioned the the NBA world champion, Bruce Bowen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also worked with Disney. Yeah. Uh, from what I heard in your, your story, it seems like that article in uh, the San Antonio publication, and I know you've also been published in USA Today, uh, played a role catapulting you, giving you some, like you said, credentials along the way. But how did you first land that two years in? How did you first land that write-up in the San Antonio periodical? So purely through networking, really through networking, uh, mostly through Twitter. I made a comment on Twitter. This goes back to my TEDx presentation. I made a comment on Twitter that I didn't find the R word retarded to be funny at all. And I shared that I grew up with a sibling who had uh, issues and I didn't think that it was funny. And somebody that I didn't know, like really know as a friend reached out to me on Twitter and said, I have a son who has Asperger's. I have a daughter who is neurotypical. And would you be willing to share your story with me? And at that point, I had never told my story before, but I said, sure. We got together and it turned out that one of her best friends was an editor at the San Antonio Business Journal. So we had this incredible conversation where we laughed and we cried. And she's like, Alicia, what do you do? What is it? She had no idea what I did for a living. We were talking strictly personally. And I told her and she said, well, what would help your business? And I said this. And she said, okay, well, when do you want to be featured? And I looked at her and said, who are you? And what kind of weird magic do you have that you can make this happen? And and she had that connection at the journal. And, and so that's how it started. So let's connect the dots for others tuning in who want the success and longevity and credentials and exposure. Because I see a correlation, uh, an early start, right? Nine, 10, 11 years old, getting your feet wet, selling door to door entrepreneurship. I've heard that exact story before with other uber successful entrepreneurs today who who drill it back to when I was a teenager or younger, I started selling. 
Um, but then also your connecting the dots into getting featured in PR, a TEDx talk. There is a correlation between the sales and marketing portion of your consultancy and the success of it. I think that what it is, is consistently being present, showing up. We're, we're in a COVID world now, but back then it wasn't a COVID world. So it was going to places, meeting people, being at conferences and doing this consistently. Uh, I had an award-winning blog at the time and it was named top 10 in the eighth top in the top 10 blogs in the eighth largest city in the United States. And so being consistent with that, the consistency, the showing up, the building of relationships, you never know who you're talking to, who you're going to meet, and always making it more about that other person than it is about you. That is one of the keys to building successful relationships. Before we part ways, fill us in on what your role in life was prior to founding Brilliant SMB? I dread answering this question because I can hear the universal groans. I worked in corporate America and I worked there for quite some time. I had a very successful career in human resources. Now I, you are you are like cringing saying it, but the words you're saying are, I had a very successful role, yet you're cringing saying that. HR gets such a bad rap. You know, they're known as the dress in corporate America. They're known as the dress code police. They only show up when there's bad news to give. I mean, I just ate poor HR, man. They, they have so much value that they can give. They're just not often allowed to give that value by the executives. So I did have a very successful career in corporate America. I led training and development on a national basis for a major insurance company. Uh, the majority of my career was spent coaching and developing uh, leaders and doing training for that. And I did enjoy very much that aspect of it. Part of what I did not enjoy about my job is uh, I worked for a subset of the insurance industry. And this particular subset, this company was incredibly profitable and was bought and sold five times in nine years. And I had to participate in actively participate in numerous layoffs. It, it was just that that part really stunk. I did not enjoy that at all, but I did enjoy the training and development. And you know that's kind of where I, I earned my chops from a business standpoint. Learned how to have really difficult conversations with people and not shirk back from that. So in a lot of ways, it helped to supplement what I needed in my skill set when I went into consulting. Wonderful. Let's bring you back up to greener pastures where you yes. where you enjoy talking. Uh, for the person tuning in, leave us with your core message, the one thing they need to hear as they go about their day today. I'm actually going to give two, if that's okay. So one is we train people how to treat us. That includes especially your clients. So if you're in a situation, as I described earlier, where you're feeling stuck, you're not having fun, you know, that joy is gone, you're not experiencing the freedom, you need to look at how have you trained your clients to treat you? 
What boundaries didn't you set? That's one thing. The second thing, and I learned this from very early on, I was struggling, Josh, with how do I price my services? I came out of corporate. I had the six-figure salary. I didn't know what to charge for consulting. And I went through several coaches, as I said before, I found somebody and at the time he was so expensive, I could only hire him for two sessions. Those two sessions to this day, 14 years later, are some of the most valuable that I've had. And here's one of the things that he said to me that I'm going to pass on to your audience that I think is hugely valuable. He said, the only function that price serves is to set the expectation of value. I'm just going to say it again. The only function that price serves is to set the expectation of value. So the question that I ask my clients and I would ask your audience is what expectation of value are your prices setting for your prospects? Think about that and make appropriate changes. You'll be shocked at what happens. That truly is chilling it's inspiring. I adore that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you, Alicia Maples, uh, the founder of Brilliant SMB. So, so brilliant. Thank you for your time. You're a master in everything you do. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining in today. Thank you, Josh. This has been fantastic. And thank you to your audience. God bless you all. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Doesn't it feel great to start something and finish it? I love that feeling. Here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to my website, joshcarry.com slash podcast, and let me know exactly what you loved most about this episode. What did you learn? What did you discover? What are you going to do next? And I'm going to send you a free gift as my way of saying Thanks. I appreciate you taking your time to tune in today. We'll do it again soon.